welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Welcome to our triumph pod, Ben DeHart. You're married. You've been married nine days or whatever. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm mostly excited. This is our 99th episode. Is it we really? Are so close. We're wow. on the cusp. If one of us dies right now, it'd be a real bummer because remember we talked about this when we were at the 50th episode that like what 5% of podcasts make it that far. I bet we're in the 1% right yeah now. not the one oh, yeah. percent i want to be in one <laughs> yeah, totally. percent that chose me <laughs> well speaking of death ben today we've lost two bright lights in our world it's true Very david, david mcculloch 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 yeah. not dire made mcculloch yeah sorry yeah <laughs> nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> no and olivia newton john yeah the latter is very sad i have like a pretty intense relationship with both of them, I feel like. Because, oh, yeah. Say, yeah. say more. Well, I mean, like, I probably read 10 David McCullough books. I mean, I've read Truman, 1776, The Brooklyn Bridge book, The Panama John Canal Adams. book, John Adams, John, Johnstown Flood. Okay, I've read six. What was your favorite? Um, Probably the Truman book. Yeah. I think the Truman I mean, book's probably the best. That's but... one, the Pulitzer, right? Yeah, that yeah. Adams. I yeah. actually why the, is that not a show? If John Adams was made into this Tr- pretty great HBO show, why is Tr- that? No, Truman was made into a show with Gary Sinise. Yeah. I don't know if it was oh. like a word for it adaptation, but yeah, Gary Sinise is Truman. Um oh. I think the oh, Johnstown yeah. Flood book, that was his first book. That's pretty good too. That's like gripping. Like that's yeah. much more of an like an event. Like the Brooklyn Bridge is like the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like how they built it. But the Johnstown Flood, did you read that one? No, but little known fact, I almost did because when I graduated seminary, the Episcopal Diocese of Pittsburgh was considering putting me at the little Episcopal church in Johnstown. So I was oh. just like, oh, crap. I mean, I need to yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. I'm pretty grateful that I didn't go there. I feel like yeah. life would have gone very differently. But, yeah. Shouts to all of our listeners no, in Johnstown. No offense. Yeah. Pennsylvania, Johnstown. Well, and then place. weirdly, man, well, I, don't, I loved musicals when I was a kid and I was like, raised on like old musicals like you know west side story or uh, my fair lady or singing in the rain i think my parents like those movies so i just watch those movies all the time and greece was um i guess not in the, not as old as those movies but when you're 10 you know it, everything's old so i thought of it as an old movie and so i watched greece all the time. I mean, I have every song still memorized. And it, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but it was one of those things where like, I don't know, maybe six years ago, I rewatched the movie. I'm like, this is so sexual. I, I had no idea when I was a kid, but I was like, oh my, I can't believe my parents were just letting me just watch this endlessly. That was exactly what I was going to ask. Because isn't it like essentially she's like the good girl yeah. who like resists the badness. And by the end, she's just like all in. I'm all in for take this me, debaucherous Take life. me to your God. <laughs> Apparently, the play is even more 
intense. Like the movie is, you know, designed for a mass market audience. So I don't, but I, it, the movie itself is pretty risque, but apparently I'm anyway, man, just pour one out. Olivia, Newton, out. Olivia Newton, David. Was she in her eighties? Do you know? No, she was young. She was 73. Oh, uh, that's really, that's a, yeah. she had some movies left. It was yeah, really John Travolta, right? Yeah. I didn't see a, a, a third act for Olivia Newton-John in Hollywood, <laughs> to be honest, but you never know. Well, I didn't see that for John Travolta, but man, that guy just doesn't go away. Yeah. It's, it's kind of B-rate movies at it's this a, point. But... Honestly, it's a lot easier if you're a guy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's unfortunately, it's very true. It's you true. Know? When's the last time it's you saw like lives. a movie with like an older woman? That just doesn't really happen, you know? Yeah, I think it's like Helen Mirren and, and um, yeah. what's her name? Uh, who was in uh, Don't Look Up. Betty White. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Meryl, 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 Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. But they're like in a class under totally. themselves as like actors, totally. you know? Um, yeah. There's Fair not enough. like, there's not like the straight, this would be a sick lane, but there's not like a straight to VOD, like action movie with like old women. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there are with like oh Bruce Willis and John Channel Travolta. Tina Fey. That's Tina what, Fey could do it. Yeah, that's what John Travolta does now is like these weird action movies that just show up on your Amazon Prime feed. Like John Travolta's in a Yeah, exactly, dude. All right. Um, Psalm 80. Israel's a vine. Ben, you gonna you gonna read it? And Am I the one who's supposed to talk Ooh, about you know it? Who reads it? Man, man, you gotta practice. Gosh. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Psalm 80, verses 1 and 2, and 8 through 18. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock, shine forth, you that are enthroned upon the cherubim, in the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come to help us. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared the ground for it. It took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered by its shadow and the towering cedar trees by its bows. You stretched out its tendrils to the sea and its branches to the river. Why have you broken down its wall so that all who pass by pluck off its grapes? The wild boar of the forest has ravaged it and the beasts of the field have grazed upon it. Turn now, O God of hosts, look down from heaven. Behold and tend this vine. Preserve what your right hand has planted. They burn it with fire like rubbish. At the rebuke of your countenance, let them perish. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man you have made so strong for yourself. And so will we never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. All right. Well, I think there's a lot going on here so i want to start at the beginning and then really get into the meat later i'm tempted to jump right in but let's start with verses one and two because this is a weird psalm you start at the very beginning verse one and two and you jump to eight through 18 and at the very beginning this intro to psalm 80 god is referred to as a shepherd of israel now shepherd in the old testament is oftentimes referring to the king of israel and not essentially in the line of david but here the shepherd is God. And I think there's a reason for that. We'll see that more clearly later. But this shepherd needs to do something that no Israel, Israeli king could do. In fact, we're in shambles right now. So the kings have let us down. We need God, essentially, to lead Joseph like a flock. The second thing I want to say, just as in the intro, is 
the mentioning of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, this is the northern kingdom that we're talking about. I don't know if, you know, it's the, if it's Judah praying for the northern kingdom or it was originally composed among the northern kingdom. But for those of you who don't know, the northern kingdom is essentially wiped out before Judah is. Uh, and so here are prayers, help us, we're in trouble. So right after that, and interrupt that end point, Nick, but right after that, we kind of go over the history of the salvation of Israel in the past. We're in trouble. So you have in the past, you brought us out of Egypt. Israel here is talked about as a vine, and there's a lot of really actually pretty cool imagery going on here. So Israel, the vine has been brought out of, it, out of Egypt. That's the Exodus. You cast out the nations that were essentially in the land where you brought us. That's the conquest. And then later on, it talks about kind of the how big Israel gets. In fact, in verse 10, I think it's pretty interesting. The mountains were covered by the vine's shadow. Uh, and it's interesting, right? Because Israel is really not all that. Yeah, it's like a little drop in the bucket. Totally. Totally. But here it's viewed as uh, it's so large, its shadow covers the mountains. It towers over the cedar trees uh, that are so important. And then it, like, it goes on. Yeah, its tendrils go out to the sea. Uh, so again, this imagery of a vine of tendrils that branch out to the rivers. And then we see in verse 12, you've broken down its wall. And I love this so that all who pass pluck off its grapes. Again, keeping that vineyard analogy going, this vineyard that God has brought about, now all of a sudden these wild beasts, the wild boar and the beasts of the field, they are essentially plucking off the grapes. Um, this is probably, from the rest of Scripture, all has to do with Israel's sin, right? Um, and God's wrath upon them. This is, might be talking about the exile now that we have Psalm 80 later, but th this will be talking about the Northern Kingdom, right? So this would be even before the exile of the Southern Kingdom. And that's at the beginning, it starts with stir up, O Lord, like kind of that illustration you gave us in the past of like, he's got this big spoon and uh, essentially it's like, stir up your power, Lord. And then we say, turn now, O God of hosts. We're in trouble. People are plucking off the grapes from our vine. Look down from heaven preserve what you've planted. Don't let it be destroyed. These people, they're burning it to the ground like fire to rubbish. We need you. And again, I think the reason why it starts with God as shepherd, as opposed to a king in the line of David being shepherd, the kings in the line of David did not do what they were supposed to do. They did not have the power to keep the wild boars at bay. We need you, oh God to rise up, to turn now. And it ends with restore us. Um, I've talked for a while. You got anything? I got a few more, but come on. Did you, dude, did you just hear my phone go off? No, I did not. Okay, good. Um, I know we're recording live, but I like, it came through my computer. I didn't know how that worked. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that's great. So yeah. So the idea being that this is after the invasion of Assyria in Northern Israel. And it's a kind of theological response to this political, social, and frankly, theological crisis. The psalmist is saying, God, you, your action is so tied up into our identity as a people. You know, we are the vine that you have planted. What does it say about us? And what does it more importantly say about you, God, that the vine that you have planted 
the, the wall that surrounds it has been broken down. So these strangers are plucking off its grapes. It's interesting how the psalmist so uncomplicatedly attributes both the wonderful things in their nation's history to God and the really terrible things in their nation's history, both of them to the hand of God, right? Um, yeah. And it's easy to see the hand of God directly in something like the Exodus event, but through the kind of um, the different movements of empire behind and within that, the psalmist is saying, you know, why have you broken down its wall, even though directly speaking, it was the nation of Assyria. So I think that's an interesting lens. I think it's probably worth saying too, that this imagery of Israel as a vineyard, it, it appears a few different times in the old Testament. I think Jeremiah mm -hmm. somewhere or other, but I think the most a uh, significant example is Isaiah five, which plays, and, you know, I'm sure biblical scholars uh, have written tomes as to how like these two things are connected, but um, I'll just give you a, a kind of a hint or I mean, a, hint, a taste Isaiah five verses one and two, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower on it. Um, but interestingly enough, and this is like, to me, the most interesting part of this psalm is in Isaiah, the psalmist links the destruction of the wall and the plucking of fruit from the vineyard to the moral failure of Israel. So in Isaiah 5, verse 3, it says, um, oh, shoot, I'm sorry, I just lost it. Um, it says, uh, God looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Um, and that's why the vineyard was destroyed. But here in, in, in the psalm, it, he, the, the psalmist doesn't seem to be that interested in the moral failures of Israel. It just are as if to say it's, it's his, his, his perspective is wider than that. Um, and I think that's an interesting, we can get to that in a second, but how yeah. the, the promise at the end of the, of the psalm is really interesting in light of that. And there doesn't seem to be repentance here exactly um, yeah exactly um and some of this i'm stealing from uh james mays his commentary on the psalm but he he takes a look at it and he says it's as if we're asking god to repent from his wrath uh obviously we're not saying that god did something wrong but um it's almost like re relent from mm. your punishment Yes, you are with us in our salvation, and you are involved in our suffering. And while this psalm doesn't point to the failures of Israel being the reason for that, uh, there's this, instead of it being, okay, repent, turn unto me, and I will restore your lands. It's, Lord, we need you to have this sort of change of heart. Go back in your mind to where you were when you were lifting us out of Egypt when you were, gave us a land, when you uh, put the vineyard all over to the seas and the river. We, we want that. And what's interesting is <laughs> in this, it, it almost seems kind of naive, uh, but it's just like, well, if you do that, we'll never turn away from you. If you restore us, we'll essentially forever and ever praise you <laughs> and like never sin again. Um, and I, I find that kind of, kind of, you know, whatever. It's like, that's how I pray when I'm in a bind or how totally. I used to like, all right, Lord, I'll change. I'll pray from now on three times a day. Yeah. Um, that's it. Well, I mean, that's one way to look at it. I guess the way I was thinking about it is I read, I read the same commentary as you. So the, one I, the way I was thinking about it was like, um, you know, 
perhaps repentance is assumed like as if to say um we recognize our failures and we are we've repented of them but repentance like the human act of repenting will only take you so far if god is not moving towards you in jesus as we would say in jesus all the repentance in the world is just pageantry or you know our human action but what you really need is for god to turn to you um which is what we pray in the psalm what you really need is for um god to give us to give you life to give us life to restore us to show us the light of his countenance and so there's a way in which the psalmist is saying you know silently we've repented but the main thing that we need god is your action your divine influence the life-giving spirit to inflame us because without that you know even if we are morally changed that's not going to do that much for us right so um i don't know i mean i think those two approaches are perhaps complementary in, in the complex human person but that's that's yeah. where i went let's uh, let's bring this to the new testament or just to our own time uh, like we talk about the vine and Jesus talks about him being the true vine, right? And then verse 16, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man you have made so strong for yourself. These, this imagery that Jesus kind of gives to himself. And this is why, you know, in the scriptures, in the New Testament, Jesus really is referred to as the new Israel, the Israel who remained faithful. Uh, the Israel who experiences the blessings of God and who essentially, you know, it's probably not very popular to talk about it in our day, but essentially takes upon himself the wrath of God mm. uh, on our behalf and in our place. So I think that kind of gives, I mean, because I, I see a little bit of Paul here, again, stealing from our commentator, which <laughs> is so great, but um, in Philippians, right, uh, he, 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 Paul talks about how uh, despite the trials, despite the joys or whatever, the one who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. He is seeing this through to completion for Israel, for Christ, we being in Christ, we can trust uh, that this wrath has been poured out. God has poured his wrath out on himself uh, to save us. And that though we experience the same struggles and sufferings as the as the people of God in the Old Testament did, we kind of, we had this ultimate hope uh, that probably was only was veiled in this time. We will be restored. We are being restored. The Lord God of hosts, and I love the alternative translation, the Lord God of the angel armies is going to defeat those who are plucking our grapes. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a good note to end on. All right. Psalm 80. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock. Shine forth, you that are enthroned upon the cherubim. In the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come to help us. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. You prepare the ground for it. It took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered by its shadow and the towering cedars trees by its boughs. You stretched out its tendrils to the sea and its branches to the river. Why have you broken down its wall so that all who pass by pluck off its grapes? The wild boar of the forest has ravaged it and the beasts of the field have grazed upon it. Turn now, O God of hosts, look down from heaven, 
Behold and tend this vine. Preserve what your right hand has planted. They burn it with fire like rubbish. At the rebuke of your countenance, let them perish. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man you have made so strong for yourself. And so will we never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the, the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.